Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. worship band. Thank you guys. Montrose Church, how are you? Back-to-back weeks. Let's go. Uh, praying and thinking uh, about Pastor Dave and the team. They're having a good time in Africa. I don't know if, know if you saw some of those videos, but doing amazing work. Really cool. They're going to be back, uh, I think, on Tuesday this week, and, and so that'll be great having them back. And Pastor Dave will start a new series next week. So that'll be great. So you aren't going to want to miss that. And today is the finale of our active listening series. How's this series been for y'all? Pretty good. It's been good. Um, It's been challenging, right? We all have room to grow in the listening department. So it's been stretching us a little bit, but it's been fun. And so today's the finale. And let me give a little recap. Pastor Dave called these the golden rules of active listening. So see if you remember some of these. The first was the foundational truth that God listens to us. He listens to you. He listens to me. He listens to his people. God is not a God who is distant or far off, but he's a God who is close, and he listens. And before we go anywhere with listening, we have to understand that. That's the foundation. God listens to his people. The second was the core commitment. Out of that, because God listens to us, we have to commit to listen to God, to listen to each other, listen to ourselves. But we have to choose. We have to commit. As you can see, our culture is not great at listening. So we have to make that decision, commit to it. The third is the confirmation bias. As Jesus followers, we have to have some humility. We don't know everything. We have blind spots. And if we're going to listen well, we can't think we know it all. We have to be okay with saying, "Eh, maybe I don't know that. Have humility. Have humility. We have some blind spots. The fourth was the mercy rule. God has shown us amazing mercy and grace, and so we respond to that by being a people of mercy and grace. Are we a people of mercy? We have to give away mercy, church. The fifth was the training regimen. Pastor Dave talked about habits and how we have some good habits that that help us with listening, and we have some bad habits that uh, maybe hurt us in that department, right, and fracture some relationships. And so we have to lean into the good habits and stop some of those bad habits, cut them off, right? Last week, if you were here, it was called the motivation, and I talked about what's underneath, how are our hearts, what's our motivations for why we do what we do. And if you remember, I started with Solomon, and now Solomon asked God for a heart that listens. Could have asked God for anything, and he asked for a discerning heart, a heart that listens. And that was my prayer for us, church, as we went through this series, that we would continually ask God for hearts that listen so we can be active listeners. I'm going to move this because I think I might hit it, just in case. Okay. All right, part seven this morning is the patience practice. The patience practice. Are we a patient people? Is our culture and our world patient? Hold on a second. Let's wait. Okay, there's a little patience practice, right? Was that, that make you uncomfortable? Made me a little uncomfortable. Um, so we're, we're not a patient people. We struggle with that. 
And I want to list some statistics that, that tell us more about that, and then I'll talk about some scripture that pushes a very different narrative. Here's the first one. The average attention span of a human is less than eight seconds. A goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. <laughs> they have us beat. The goldfish have us beat. 96% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drinks that burns their mouths. 63% do so frequently. You got your hot chocolate. You got your coffee. I can't wait. I got I to, ah, right? We've done it. We've done it. We're impatient. Americans will binge watch an average of seven TV episodes in a single sitting. Seven TV episodes. You know who you are. Come on. Don't act like, oh, I just watch one episode. I know. Right? Because we can't wait. I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait till a couple days away. I got to know what's happening in this show right now. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. And now the, the streaming services have it to where it just plays, right? And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just go. Let's go. Human beings check their phones 344 times a day. That's once every four minutes. It's a lot. It's a lot. And maybe you've been in that circumstance where you're, you're getting coffee with somebody or you're eating a meal and, and you're talking mid-conversation and somebody's phone buzzes. And you're like, oh, hold on, let me get this. And you're like, hey, I, we were, we were mid-conversation, right? We can't wait. We've done it. 71% of people frequently exceed the speed limit to get to their destination faster. Everybody speeds, right? Everybody speeds. But the problem is, is that one-third of all accidents involve speeding. It's a problem. We're an impatient people. We have two-day Amazon shipping. We have Disney fast passes. And I know those, we need those things, right? We have fast Wi-Fi. We have dating apps. We have food delivery apps, right? DoorDash, Postmates. We have so much. And we are the now culture. I need it now. I can't wait. I can't wait. And church, not all those things are bad, right? Some of those things are very cool. We love those things. Great technological advances. But we have to realize what our culture, these different things, and how they're shaping us to be a specific people, a people who are impatient, a people who don't wait. And God wants something different for his people. Patience matters to God. Here's some scripture uh, to back that up. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Proverbs 16, 32. This might be my favorite one. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. You've probably heard this one. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. It is not arrogant. Love is patient. Love is patient. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And we can keep going. Scripture has a lot to say about patience. God cares about us being patient people. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So as Jesus followers, we should be patient. Are we? We struggle with it. James cares deeply about patience as well. He cares about Christ followers being patient people. And so we're going to read our main text for this morning, James 5, 7 through 11. We've been in the book of James throughout this series. It's been great. If you know the book of James, it's extremely practical. It doesn't take a lot of deciphering or theological study, right? It's, it's, it's very in your face up front. And so we'll be closing out in the book of James 
This is James 5, 7 through 11. It'll be on the screen, sir, for you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count it as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So there's our text. There's our text where we'll be. And I just have three points that, that'll help break down this James text and hopefully push us to be better, better listeners. The first is this, trust God with what's next. Trust God with what's next. Do you struggle with trust? How are you doing in the trust department? Okay. I think as a culture, we have trust issues. We struggle with trust sometimes. And we need to be a people who give our lives to the one who gave us life. And it's a lot easier to say and harder to do. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working. God is at work in your life, church. Do you believe that? He's working. He's working. And just like I talked about a little bit ago, we as Christians believe in a God who is in our midst, who's intimately involved with his creation, not a God who's far off, but a God who's close, who's working for our good. And now we know everything isn't good, right? It doesn't take too long to look around and to see some brokenness, some suffering, some different things. And we don't understand why all those bad things happen. But we know that God is with us in the pain, in the suffering, in the journey. When we think about maybe a game or a, a basketball game or some kind of sporting event, right? God is not sitting on the sidelines watching. He's a God who is in the game with us, playing the game. Experience it, it all with us. He's there in our abuse and our sin and our pain and even our death, right? He showed this on the cross. He even knows when we go there. And so whether we're in the first or second quarter of our game, right? Or some of us are in the fourth quarter of life, but God is with us through it all. And we can trust God with our life because he's trustworthy. Why is he trustworthy? Because he's with us, because he's our Emmanuel. And also because he died for us. He gave it all for us. So he's trustworthy. James then gives the example of a farmer. It's kind of an easy and helpful example. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm until the Lord's coming. I remember in science class, and maybe this was some of you too, but just as a little kid, we would, we would have to plant something, you know? And we'd get this little cup and soil and all that stuff, and then we'd, we'd put it by the window and and I remember the first day when we, when we put it by the window, all of us were just staring at it. It's like, okay, grow. Grow, little buddy. Right? And of course, that's not how it works, right? But we were figuring that out. Farmers are patient. If you know agriculture, you know farmers. They're patient. They know a good harvest is coming, but it takes time. And it doesn't mean there's nothing to do. Right? There's a lot to do in the meantime. Plenty of jobs for a farmer to do while he's waiting for the harvest. And so it is with us, church. So it is with us in our lives. Be patient. Yes, Jesus will return. And it'll be glorious, right? 
And we might disagree about how all that will happen, but don't get it confused, church. Jesus is coming back, and he will redeem all things. But in the meantime, we got some work to do. We're called to be Christ's hands and feet, his salt and light right now in the world that desperately needs him. Desperately needs him, and we have work to do as God's people. But we get impatient. We get uneasy. We get anxious. We get scared. And we must be reminded that God is with us on this journey. Every step of the way, God is near. So how can we be okay with where we are, with who we are? How can we be patient and listen well to others? We have to remember that God is with us. And the Holy Spirit is empowering us to be those kinds of people. Brennan Manning in his book, Ruthless Trust, says this. Did you guys get this for the screen? Maybe not. But this is a great... um, quote from this uh, book, Ruthless Trust. Brandon Manning says this. The splendor of a human heart that trusts it is loved unconditionally gives God more pleasure than the Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Van Gogh's Sunflowers, the sight of 10,000 butterflies in flight or the scent of a million orchids in bloom. Trust is our gift back to God and he finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for the love of it. Trust is our gift back to God. So trust God with what's next, church. I don't know what's next for you. You might, or maybe you're still trying to discern that, and that's okay too. But trust God with what's next, whether it's something big, whether it's something small, trust him with your future. Why? Because he's trustworthy. Because he's with you every step of the way and because he died for you. He's trustworthy, so trust him with your future. Point number two, keep your attitude in check. James 5.9 says this, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The message version has a, has a helpful translation of this, so I'm going to read it. Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you. The judge is standing just around the corner. When we are waiting, it's easy to begin to look around and, and, and start to complain. And the best example of this by far is traffic. We know about traffic, don't we, in Montrose and L.A., and we know about traffic. Have you guys ever complained being in traffic? Ne- never? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think that was us, you know. Why, why do we do that? Because it's easy. Because in a moment when we're being stretched and we're maybe we're supposed to be working on our patience, we complain because it's uncomfortable. James is clear, be patient. Don't grumble against each other. God doesn't grumble against you. Isn't that great? God doesn't look at us and say, oh man, those instant gratification, short attention span people, man, they just bugging me. (laughs) Oh man, I can't. That's not what God says, right? That's not what he says. He says, I love those people. I forgive those people and I'm calling those people to more. And Jesus shows great patience with the disciples throughout his whole journey. The disciples continued to get it wrong, continued to mess up, miss the mark, miss the point of a lot of stuff. And Jesus over and over shows them patience. He doesn't let them off the hook. He calls them to more, but he's patient with them. Patient. So we must be patient with others and keep our attitude in check. How's your attitude this morning, church? How are we doing? Are we doing okay? How's your attitude? It's interesting because when, 
When I meet Christians and, and, you know, we have a bad attitude sometimes, it's like, man, as Jesus followers, we should have the best attitude because we know the joy of the Lord, right? We have that. But sometimes we don't, right? How is our attitudes? It's difficult to be an active listener if we're impatient and we have a bad attitude. It makes it really difficult. And that's why we have to see people with Christ's eyes and lead with empathy, right? If you remember, I talked about that last week. Lead with empathy, and listen well to others. Uh, the person in my life who has the best attitude is also the most patient person I know. And it's my dad. It's my dad. Happy Father's Day to my dad. And my dad is, is so patient, always has a good attitude. A little example, this is a funny little example, but you guys know the Carl's Jr. down here in Montrose? Yeah. Um, they're always understaffed, right? And so their service is just terrible, right? And it's nothing against them. It's just they're understaffed, and it's all, they have a hard time, right? And uh, so my dad, he loves Carl's Jr., though. He loves it. So when he comes and visits, he'll go to Carl's Jr. in the morning, real early, like, you know, as soon as they open. I don't know when they open, but really early. Get a Diet Coke, maybe get a burrito, and come back to the house. I know, Diet Coke at, like, 6 a.m., you know. Not a big coffee guy. But so he'll come back to the apartment, I'm like, hey, Dad, how was Carl's Jr.? He's like, oh, it was great. I'm like, no, it was not. <laughs> no, it wasn't, man. I've been to that Carl's Jr. He's like, no, it was good. It was really good. He always has a good attitude. It's crazy. Crazy. And uh, my dad, he went through some really tough stuff as a young person. Went through more devastation and, and suffering than any young person should. When he was real little, he, he lost his dad in an accident. And then... Just a few years later, he uh, got really close with his stepdad and lost him in an accident as well. Uh, just went through so many hard things, him and his siblings and my grandma. And, but he persevered. He kept moving. And went to, went to school, got his bachelor's, got a couple of master's, and, and he's just been extremely successful throughout his life. Extremely successful in the agricultural, cattle, business world, just really successful. And, and he's a great dad and a great man. And um, I kind of look at all that, and I'm like, man, it shows how much uh, he was connected to God through it all. Just stayed devoted to God and his connection with God and, and kept moving forward. And he's so patient. With the little stuff and the big stuff, a, a little story of his patience that I always think about is, is when my siblings and I would be downstairs in the basement and it would be dinner time, my dad would yell down to us, hey, hey guys, time for dinner. Time for dinner. Okay, five more minutes. You know, we'd yell back. and So five minutes would pass, and my dad would yell down, all right, guys, come on up. Time for dinner. Time for dinner. Okay, yeah. And then we wouldn't go up. You know, we'd wait another five, ten, and then we'd go up. And, and, and he'd be up there, him and my mom, and then they would, they would be, all right, guys, let's eat. Let's bless the food and, and eat. And looking back on that, I'm like, man, how did you put, how were you guys so patient? I would have gone down there and yelled at those kids. Let's go, Right? Just showed, showed us so much patience in the little moments. And in the big moments, too. When I was a rebellious teenager, when my when siblings went through some different things, so patient with us. So patient. And it made a difference. It made a difference. And he did, him and my mom both, they did a good, they, they, they had a good balance of correction, right, when that's needed, and stepping in, but also being patient with us. And it made a great difference. Are you patient with your kids? Are you patient with your kids? Kids, are you patient with your parents? 
In church, are we, are we patient with our family members, our friends? Are we patient people? God desires his people to be patient. We're not going to be perfect at it, but let's work on it. Let's be patient. Let's have good attitudes. The third point for this morning is suffering and patience. James brings up Job and his perseverance. Verse 11. As you know, we count and as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the second time that James brings up perseverance in his book. The first time you might remember it's chapter one, starting at verse two through four. Here it is. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance matters. We should be a people who don't give up. We have to be patient and wait, but also remember that God is working and we have a role to play and we need to keep persevering, keep moving forward. Have you heard of Job's story before? It's not Job. It's not Job. Sometimes people think that's okay. You know, it's easy, to, it's easy to read that and say, oh, Job. No, Job. Job, right? It's a book in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It would take a minute, a lot of minutes. Um, but I'll give you a little summary of the story because James brings it up for some specific reasons, I think. Job lives in the land of Uz. That's U-Z. Lives in the land of Uz. And Scripture tells us that he's a blameless, upright man. He's a great guy. And he's successful, has a big family, so much wealth and honor and all these kind of things. And then scripture tells us that there's like this heavenly conversation between Satan, the accuser, and God. And Satan goes, hey, God, uh, so Job, you know that guy? Uh, he only follows you because he has so much. Because he has a great family, because he has such great wealth and health and all these kind of things. And so then him, Satan and God kind of make a little bet. It's really interesting, and, and God allows Satan to take almost everything from Job. And so, sure enough, that's what happens. So, by the way, of marauders and different, you know, he, he's robbed, and then it's uh, natural disasters. All these kind of things happen, and Job loses everything. He even starts to get sores and diseases, right? Just so much suffering. And Job's friends try to explain it all. Hey, Job, well, you know, all this bad stuff's happening because you must be bad. Because all this bad stuff wouldn't be happening unless you're bad. Uh, they try to explain it all. Even Job's wife says, Job, you should curse God. You should curse God. But he doesn't. He keeps persevering. He keeps enduring patiently. Just all kinds of suffering. And towards the end of the book, there's this conversation that God has with Job Job's kind of wondering what's going on, all this stuff, and, and God tells him, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You weren't there. My ways are higher. And so why? Why this story of Job? Why suffering? And many times for us, it's that why question that makes it hard for us to endure patiently because we want to know the answers, right? Back to us being a now culture, I need it now. We want to know the answers, why so much suffering in our lives? Why couldn't God have made a world without such pain? And we aren't given the answer in Job's story. We understand that there's pain, suffering, and brokenness. And God doesn't dismiss Job. He engages 
So there's value in thinking about the big and tough questions and seeking those things out, even if we might not get a perfect answer, which I don't think we do a lot of the time. Now, I've opened up a big can of worms here. I'm not trying to talk about the problem of evil. We could go on for a couple more hours, a lot more than that, and I'll leave that one to Pastor Dave sometime. Uh, He can tackle that one. That'll be a whole series. But I just think it's really interesting that James brings up Job's perseverance. In the midst of terrible suffering, Job is patient and he perseveres, not knowing the answers. He continues on. James lets us know if Job can live for God and persevere, so can we. So can we. Not knowing the answers, we believe some things, absolutely, we believe some things strongly, but some things we're not too sure about, and that's okay. But we need to keep persevering by faith, just like Job. Uh, Secondly, uh, with this little Job story, I I think as a church, we don't always need to be so quick in answering all the big questions, but be quick to be present with those in the midst of suffering. I'm going to say that one more time. As a church, we don't always need to be so quick to give all the reasons, give all the answers, but be quick to be there when people are in the midst of suffering. Presence changes things. When we're just there, we must be a church that listens well to people's pain and brokenness. A church that reminds people, hey, I'm here. I don't know all the answers. I'm here. And God's here. He's with us in the midst of this every step of the way. And we need to be patient with people. And Jesus is a great example of this. He doesn't, he's not impatient. He doesn't blow past all the people that are marginalized and suffering in, in Scripture right in the New Testament. No, he moves in. He shows up. He sees them. He loves them. He's present. And that's the call for us, church, to listen well to people, to not be impatient but to step in in the midst of suffering. When people are facing terrible things, the church needs to move in because that's a church that will do some amazing things in their community. A church that doesn't try to megaphone all the answers to people, right, but a church that loves and is present, that shows up consistently, a people that show up. Okay, church, my desire is that we would be reminded that God is not done. He's working. He's working in your life. He's working in my life. He's working in our lives. And he's got the future in his hands. So give him what's next. What's next? Give him what's next. Why? Because he's trustworthy. Because he's trustworthy. Because he's present. Because he died for us. He's a trustworthy God. And let's fight to be a people with Christ-like attitudes. It's really easy to go throughout our life right now and everything that's going on and have a bad attitude, right? It is. These gas prices are killing me, right? I've got a bad attitude about it. But can we choose a Christ-like attitude? Choose a Christ-like attitude. And then finally, be a church that wades into people's brokenness. A church that runs towards the roar, not away from it, right? And when I say roar, I just mean the... Right, the, the brokenness, the, the, the bad things, the sadness. Can we be a church that moves towards that and is present with those, not runs away? And a church that listens well. And just like last week, a church that 
Ask God continually, God, give me a heart that listens. Give me a heart that listens. Because that's the church that will change the world. And I believe that can be us. Amen? Amen. We can change our families, our friends, all those kind of things. A church that listens well. All right, let's pray. Gracious God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for being here with us and this chance to gather as the body of Christ, God. God, thank you for being a God who is close, who's involved in our lives, who listens to us and calls us to be people who listen well to each other. So God, I pray that you'd be with us as we go from this place. Would your Holy Spirit empower us to be those active listeners? In a world that struggles with listening to each other, can we be different? Can we be Christ-like in the way we interact and engage with others? God, help us be a people who move in uh, to others' suffering. To show up time and time again. And maybe we don't know all the answers, and that's okay, but we're there. And we remind people that Jesus is there too. God, help us be those kind of people. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for this time of worship. It's time to gather. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.